You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil. I'm here in the studio with Ken and Jeff. Week two of Nomad in the studio, gone once again. How are sad, we feeling? Sad, sad, sad day. But Shipped off remains. to another coast. Yep, another coast, a coast with the most. But he's uh, still here with us, so. Yeah, we have Matt's uh, urn. It's empty, but it's here just to represent him. And it... <laughs> future use whenever you're ready matt it's it's yeah. the, the urn that the pallbearer used to carry with the undertaker uh how are you matt uh apparently dead so <laughs> rough rough over here so what happens when you leave town you're dead to us uh, that's yeah. true how's everyone else I'm doing here dead. doing great good good so uh we have some great uh, guests here with us today uh a few weeks ago you you probably heard a game hosted by our contestant today uh, and uh, he's coming to us from Enid, Oklahoma, and that is Sam Young. How are you, Sam? I'm doing really good. And do, do we want to talk about what happened? Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so we, we've only had uh, two instances of, of, not foul play, but things that, that have foul happened. Foul play, for sure. Foul play. So once there was an episode, well, it'll remain nameless because it's a great. Uh, it was a great episode, but the machine we used to use before the patrons allowed us to buy a new machine completely fried uh, the memory card that we had, and it, it fried one episode. So there was one episode that was lost to the ether, that we hope to you know recreate one day. And then uh, there was another episode that Sam hosted that was a lot of fun. And for some reason, the numbering system and our memory cards, our, our uh, hard drives and all that kind of stuff, it was just like lost in there and we couldn't find it. The lost file. It was the lost file, uh, you know, where the T-Rex goes to Santa Barbara or wherever and terrorizes children. Yeah. But um, we uh, we found it and uh, it was recorded, I think, in what, uh, Sam, November? November, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Of 2021. But a couple of weeks ago, we brought it to you, so... Yep, we, there had, you go. we had a lot of fun with it. So Sam, uh, Recovery. now we recovered. You're right. Uh, now that you're a contestant, not a host, uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and uh, the special guest sitting beside you. Uh, well, I am a high school computer teacher, and uh, I also the academic team coach at a little uh, country school here, close to Enid. Um, and I have with me today my son Asher, who's 15. You may not hear him on the microphone, but he's here and he's helping supply answers to me in case I don't know an answer. And so good he, morale. He, he tends to know more show. than I do. So, yeah, good morale having Asher here. So thank you both for for joining us today and uh, for Sam for coming back. We had a nice exchange with Sam over our messenger, and he I, I won't say what it was, but he had a really funny joke. But you can't tell through text, and we were all really worried. But it was a, yeah. it was a funny joke. <laughs> I so. was making him sweat a little bit. 
Yeah. So it was great. So thank you for that. Um, but yeah, we're excited to have you here. So thank you for joining us. Uh, and uh, in order to play the game, we need to host. And uh, coming to us from Lexington, Kentucky, Rules Guy Impersonator on Patreon, which we appreciate. Troy Cooper. How are you, Troy? Doing great. How are y'all? Doing awesome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, like I said, my name is Troy. I'm an assistant professor at the University of Kentucky in the School of Information Science. Um, been here for about 10 years now and uh, general trivia fan and big fan of the show. So I really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to come on. Yeah. Oh, of course. Thanks, happy to have you. Yeah. Uh, and how is uh, University of Kentucky, the, the Wildcats, how is it over there? You know, it's uh, it's really exciting right now. The kids are back. I call them kids. They're they're all 18. They're adults, at least. Um, nope, but yeah, I, it's, I it's exciting. It. And football season's about to come in. Uh, come in strong. Uh, I know Kentucky's, you know, sort of seen as a basketball school, which it very much is. But uh, as of late, the football team has been gaining some notoriety, too. So there's there's some excitement on campus. It's good. Cool. So last game, I noticed that uh, we have a long streak going of uh, Darren rule reads, right? That's right. So of the other rule reads uh, that we've uh, displayed on the show, which one do you want to hear today? Uh, how about Gilbert Gottfried? All right, bring back Excellent the Gilberts. Triviality Podcast is two rounds of 20 questions worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there's a special swing round by this week's host. In the final round, players wager points they've earned for a chance to become the cream of the crop. Crop rules everything around me. All right, nice to hear him again. Yeah, it is good to hear him. Always good to hear Gilbert. Sad loss, but he'll always be here with us at Triviality. That's right, preserving the memory. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of Gilbert, I think there's a joke that he would appreciate. Uh, and uh, Matt, you're going to be teaming uh, with Sam today. And what is your team name going to be? Well, I don't even know why we were doing this, but we had to have an Edgar Allan Poe name. <laughs> and we went through about 30 of them and came with the original classic, A Telltale Fart. It's because we are going to be the fall of the house of Asher. That's why. Because that's also that's our way of being a little threatening right now. Since you know, because we're gonna take you guys. Sam and Asher are sitting over there, and we thought we'd intimidate you a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Neil likes to ask the second team whose name it relies on the first team's name. (laughs) (laughs) Classic triviality move. I'm keeping you on your toes, though. That's why. Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, well, yeah, those are the teams. Uh, Jeff's going to sit out, provide color commentary. And are you keeping score? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know how much you were doing today, but. So can you keep score? Can you? <laughs> I will try Could my. you do something, Jeff? Darndest. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're ready to go. Uh, uh, Sam and Matt, you guys ready to go? You know it. Yes, All right. we're ready. All right, Troy, uh, take us uh, to the promised land. <laughs> I'm trying out your catchphrases. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure that I can do that, but I can give you a question. Two out of one. ten, Neil. I not think uh, we're gonna try that one again. So, why? No, I meant a different right. catchphrase. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So, question one, round one. It's time to get things started. On the Muppet Show, Animal plays the drums in a band called Doctor Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Besides Animal and Doctor Teeth, name one of the other members of that band. Okay, yeah, I like that. We're locked in. We'll lock in. Bad guess, but we'll see. So you said you're not 100% sure on any of the other I can visualize every single one of them. There's, you know, the lady with the long blonde hair, and and, I can't think of any of their names, though. I mean, I just, Animal's the only one I knew, and he took it away from us. I think think the singer's based off Janis Joplin, and I think it's 
named Janice. Yeah, that does sound vaguely familiar, so that might be a good guess to go with. At first I was thinking Rolf, but I don't think he's actually in the band. I think he plays the piano, though, but I don't know if he was in the band. So no, yeah. If you're good, he's a solo artist. I'm, I'm good with Janice. That was, a good, that was a good answer. So. All right, we will go with Janice. And we're going for the same Muppet, but we said her name was Lola for some reason. <laughs> All right, so yeah, Janice plays the guitar and does vocals. Uh, there's also Floyd Pepper, who plays the bass. Zoot, who plays the saxophone, and Lips, who plays the trumpet. Lips. Oh. Could have just said Lips. Yeah, that was a real creative name. Yeah. Like the telltale fart. Yeah. <laughs> Much like it. Yeah. Very descriptive. Yeah. Okay, question two. A rose by any other name. One of the largest flowers in the world, the Amorphophallus titanum, blooms only once every seven to nine years. When it does, it produces a stench that has been compared to the smell of rotting meat. What is the more well-known colloquial name of this flower? We can lock in over here. The fart flower. That's what yeah. I was thinking, but I don't know this. Boiled <laughs> meat. I don't know this one. Golly. Um, like a gym, like a boys' gym locker room. <laughs> <laughs> we could go with some some answer like that, like the locker yeah. room, locker room flower or something, but. The gym yeah. socks flower. Uh, the old jockstrap flower? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a blooming bloomer. I, I'm, I'm just not coming up with anything, so. Yeah, we, we're we going to say uh, uh, I got absolutely nothing on this, so. <laughs> What's called a stench flower? Yep, stench flower. Works for me. Yep, we think they were drawing a parallel to what it reminded them of uh, smell-wise, and we went with the corpse flower. Yes, it is indeed the corpse ah. flower. Mm. One of the uh, uh, specimens was just uh, blooming at the Cincinnati Zoo, and we, we took our kids up there to see it. Uh, didn't end up seeing because it was a two-and-a-half-hour wait to see it. Uh, hey, and... kids, this is what a dead body smells like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We didn't think it was worth a two-and-a-half-hour wait to, to expose our kids to rotting meat smell. Yeah. So. All right. That's, smell a dead body. That's the new airplane quote instead of, uh, have you ever seen a grown man naked? It's, hey, kids, you ever smell a dead body? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Jonathan Frakes line. <laughs> All right, question three. Playing with your food. What line of late 1980s action figures featured such characters as Sergeant Scoop, Private Pizza, and Taco Terror? There was also a frying pan helicopter that featured spatula blades and an egg carton tank. We'll lock in. I think your answer is pretty awesome. <laughs> I mean, I, I was oh a kid at this time, but I don't, I don't remember anything like this. Um, so I think I had a couple of these. Um, they were, they reminded me of the toxic crusader toys that I also had. Um, I think that these are called food fighters. Huh. Ooh, that makes sense. Well, we, uh, we didn't know, uh, as you might guess, we said street sharks. <laughs> All right. I'm glad somebody actually got this one, right? Cause when I was playtesting it, nobody seemed to, and I thought I just written an impossible question and that maybe I was just imagining these toys when I was a kid. <laughs> Uh, but yes, they are called food fighters. All right, good job, man. Was there like a yeah. cartoon or just the just the toys? Just toy no, it was ones. just the toys. Yeah, yeah. yeah they were out with the uh, California raisins on my toy shelf. I, I vividly remember seeing the commercials of the the kind of cartoon foods fighting each other, and 
you know, shooting uh, eggs back and forth at one another and, and that sort of thing. Yep. Surprisingly, my wheelhouse. <laughs> I was All a right. big collector of the McDonald's chicken nugget toys that you could dress up as Halloween mm-hmm. characters. Oh, I love those. Uh, yeah. here's, a, here's a fun thing. My old Nintendo had trouble playing the games because the, there needed to be something wedged in to press the game down. And so we'd uh, stick those chicken nuggets in there. <laughs> so it's like a stranger would come over the house, try to play the Nintendo. Oh, you got to stick a chicken nugget in there. Work. <laughs> See, originally I was thinking McDonald's. I was thinking the, the ones that transform, like you'd have the the pancake box and would turn into yeah, like yeah. a car oh, or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I had all those mm-hmm. too. Yeah, or the like dinosaur that was the um, the breakfast box. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I do remember Multi-use those, but I don't nuggets. remember the food fighters. That's that's crazy. All right. Uh, question number four. Hey, that's just my aspirin. Medications such as aspirin, ibuprofen, and naproxen used as pain relievers and fever reducers are part of a class of drugs called NSAIDs, N-S-A-I-D. What does this acronym stand for? We can look at it. Yeah, I thought so. (laughs) N-S-I-D. N-S-A-I-D. Well, the last word is probably drug. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Just say (sighs) no. I've got nothing there so we want to make up something you said drug probably for the d yeah i mean the i mean narcotic like you said for the first i don't know that that makes yeah total sense and then but we, just we don't know the answer so we might as well make something up narcotics safe after initial dose there you go <laughs> okay we'll well, go with it last <laughs> week we we said that jeff's uh arteries are running on hollandaise mine are running on and said, uh, we said non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. Oh, of course he knows. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. <laughs> 90% of Neil is actually this. So. <laughs> All right. Question five. We're going streaking. Sometimes a team gets hot and stays that way. Within two games, what is the NHL record for the most consecutive wins by a team? For a bonus, five points, name that team. All right, we're locked in with a guess. Wild guess. So you said, win, was it point streak or win streak? Win streak. Win streak. I mean, would this be some of the old Red Wings teams? or I mean, I'm not it a big would, hockey fan, so I, I'm just kind of spouting out names I'm familiar with, which means they had a lot of popularity. So Yeah, I'm guessing it's an old an old record because once ties became the norm yeah um it, it kind of got more difficult um and we got within two see. so that means it's probably going to be close to you know 15 to 20 or something like that yeah i was gonna i was thinking 18 was what i was thinking okay um and i'm good with the red wings if you want okay. to go red yeah wings. i mean that's about the all of the help i've got so <laughs> yeah 18 and red lines right. we're locked in all right we said 23 and oilers all right so the answer is 17 games yeah, all right. mm, nice job fellas this was in 92 93 uh and it was the pittsburgh penguins, oh, penguins. I, I forgot about the yeah penguins, penguins should have been an obvious uh, i don't know why i didn't think the penguins all right and after five questions the score is 30 to 20 favor goes to uh the telltale fart um you guys uh would be perfect if you combined your efforts though it looks like every team is getting at least one of the answers every time <laughs> alternating <laughs> in an alternating pattern so so we're due for the next one let's have it 
So I'm, I'm glad I wrote a game that works for everyone. Yeah, and we're <laughs> gonna we're gonna take this question off. So have at it, guys. <laughs> All right. Question six: High school reading list. What 1976 debut novel by Judith Guest tells the story of the Jarrett family? It deals with pretty heavy issues such as suicide, depression, and failing relationships. Its film adaptation is perhaps better known, winning the 1980 Academy Awards for both Best Picture and Best Director. Oh, Neil knows yeah, that. That's definitely their we question, because, could... I mean... Yeah. I believe that won the year right before uh, Raiders of Lost Ark came out, so... Okay, sounds good. We're locked in. Yeah, I've probably heard of this movie, but I couldn't tell you what, which... I mean, right when the year I was born, so... I didn't really pay much attention to the Oscars that year. Yeah, definitely not something that uh, I was very familiar with. Um, and I don't, I don't know the book either. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't had to come across that one. So, um, so you want to just go um, of mice and men? Yeah, I mean that's Steinbeck, but that works. Yeah, perfect. That means it's a hundred percent right. Exactly. We're, uh, of mice and men's becoming like the uh, uh, bowling for soup literary <laughs> version of our podcast. Uh, so this movie, uh, I always forget, was directed by an actor uh, when they were a little bit younger, uh, Robert Redford, who I believe won the Oscar for that, and uh, yeah, featured Timothy Hutton, America's and Man, America's Man. Uh, this is directorial debut, Neil. Directorial debut, and featured Mary Tyler Moore in a dramatic performance. Uh, we went ordinary people. I've heard of it. I, I've yep. never seen it though. Yes, ordinary people, and you took all of the um, flavor text out of that. So thanks. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was that was a sincere thing. I, I, okay. I forgot about Donald uh, Sutherland. The alternating is still uh, active. All right, it's our turn, That'd Matt. Be, our turn. It'd be wild if that was the entire game. <laughs> right. How are you guys on flags? Ooh. Right. Question seven: Church and state. There are two nations that depict Buddhist symbolism on their official national flags. Name one of them. Uh, I w- yeah, I'll let them lock in first. Did you say U.S. states? No, two <laughs> two, two <laughs> nations <laughs> that depict. <laughs> yes, two, two U.S. states. As soon as I heard Buddhist flags, symbols. I just completely checked out, but I, I wanted to at least know what the question was. Okay. Yeah. Okay, do we have to name just one or two? Yeah, just one. Okay, yeah, let's go with yours. All right, we're locked in. Um, it's obviously probably an Asian nation. I'm kind of... Tibet seems kind of an obvious choice because there's a lot of religious, like Tibetan monks and stuff there. But mm-hmm. also, I was uh, seems like there's some kind of symbol on Sri Lanka that look uh, maybe some kind of a Buddhist symbol. What about Thailand? Yeah, Thailand was another one I was thinking of. I feel like I feel like the it's a big enough Buddhist country. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't visualize all the flags, but I have seen them before. So maybe, yeah, Thailand seems like a good one. Or Thailand. And I, I do like Tibet. Tibet is a country, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's what, and that's where I was kind yeah, of, like, is it, it seems like China claims it sometimes. Yeah. So I'd, I'll steer away from that whole thing. And I think, I think we'll just say Thailand. Thailand sounds good to me. Okay. Yeah, we considered Thailand. Uh, we couldn't picture the flag. Uh, we considered a lot of those nations that you mentioned. The one flag I'm sure has like a sort of yin-yang sort of symbol on it is South Korea. So we said South Korea. All right. So the answers are, uh, and Sam, you had, it, the first your first answer was actually correct. Sri Lanka oh, okay. uh, has four bow leaves, which are part of the Buddhist uh, uh, principles. 
And then Bhutan is the other one. Oh, oh okay. The dragon? Yes. Streak broken. Yeah. Three to three. Now we're back. I wish you guys to... didn't get the point, so we're good. Yeah, right. <laughs> now we're back to square one. Okay, round one, question eight, staying power. Put these television series in order from lowest to highest in terms of the, in terms of the no, number of aired episodes. Okay, so the list is Married with Children, Malcolm in the Middle, Monk, and Murder, She Wrote. Okay, we have locked in with an order, so you guys can uh, feel free to discuss. Um, okay, so Sam, you were We're going from least, least to most? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you were saying uh, you and your wife had just went through all of Malcolm in the Middle. So. Yeah, there's over 100 episodes. I'm not sure exact the exact number. but um, We were thinking Monk, six or seven seasons, but less episodes because it was a USA show. So we were around 85, 90 there. Um, and then it's a toss-up between... I think Married with Children was only on for like five or six seasons. Yeah, I would say that one's probably the least. So let's go Married with Children... Monk, Murder She Wrote, and then Malcolm in the Middle. That that sounds like a good good list to me. Okay, locked in. Similar reasoning to you guys. We thought Monk was the least due to shorter seasons, Married with Children, Malcolm in the Middle, and then Murder She Wrote with the most because uh, that show was on forever on network. Okay, uh, no points here. Uh, you both you all both teams uh, had the first one correct. Monk uh, was the least with 125 episodes. Uh, next in line was Malcolm in the Middle with 151 episodes. Married with Children ran for 11 seasons and wow, had 259 episodes. Hell, why? <laughs> that was surprising <laughs> to me too. And then Murder She Wrote was just above that with 264. 7,000 episodes. It's still on today. No. And okay. um, nobody got any points because life is unfair. Um, <laughs> we need Jessica Walters to, uh, or that's not her name, is it on the show? Yeah. Right? Cool. In Arrested Development? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what am Angela I thinking? Lansbury. Jessica yeah, Lansbury. Yeah, Lansbury. Not but her, her character, though, is like, I think... Jessica Lang? Uh, whatever. No, I'll look up her character name. I, th- I thought it was Jessica Walters. Anyway, we have a urn here, and we need someone to investigate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number nine. Read my lips. What often maligned term associated with empty words or disingenuous talk, often thrown around in political debates and discussions, was originally coined by Aristotle as the faculty of observing in any given situation the available means of persuasion. Uh, let's see. Ken wrote something down. Oh, that does sound like something Aristotle would say as I listen to his podcast. Okay. Relaxed. <laughs> Today is sponsored by Casper. All right. Why do they all sound like that? Uh, <laughs> is that because he's a friendly ghost now? Uh, Sam, do you have any ideas here? Something's just right at the front of my brain. I just not. I can't pull it on the tip of your lips. Maybe I think this might be lip service. Yeah, I mean that that does make sense. It sounds like an old term. Yeah, so we're gonna lock in with lip service. That's interesting. Uh, we went with uh, empty platitudes. So this is actually rhetoric. Mm. Wow. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> we're on a new streak, gets- guys. <laughs> Often gets a really bad rap, uh, but this is something that I studied in, in grad school, and so I always make it a point to, you know, give it a better reputation than it often gets, as rhetoric is, is not necessarily a bad thing. Okay, number 10. This, uh, 
The six-time World Horseshoe Pitching Champion, who even managed a second-place finish after switching throwing hands in 2005, is actually more well-known for being the winningest competitor in what other sport? Uh, the only thing I can think of is like competitive eating. Maybe it's like Kobayashi or something. Oh, One of maybe. those guys. I would think, on the side. based on the general hand, the motion and how you do this. I Watch think, yourself. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, bowling might be something. Oh, okay. That, yeah, that's true. I, I forgot about the part where you're talking about the hand motion. Yeah. Always forget about the hand motion. I think I think bowling is a good answer. Um, we're, as long uh, as he's bowling for soup, we're good. Yeah, that, well, that's that's our answer. Bowling. We had a similar reasoning, but uh, we wanted to keep it outside on the lawn, right? Yep. We, we went with Bachi. the uh, cornhole. Okay, uh, so this is uh, Walter Ray Williams Jr. Uh, the winningest bowler. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't even I didn't even think about bowling to be honest. I don't know why I went right to cornhole because I've seen it on ESPN recently, and I'm like. It was on top, the, top on the great show. Yeah. They're showing, they're showing cornhole all the time. And Jay Cutler, <laughs> former Bears quarterback, was like in a tournament like to be a champion. It's crazy. <laughs> all right. And uh, that'll end the first round, everyone. Um, scores are 40 to 30. So uh, not too much. Still a 10 point difference between the two teams. And Telltale Fart still in the lead over the fall of the House of Asher. So thanks for gassing us up there. You are welcome. Let's take you into the swing round. All right, so our string round uh, in a nod to Chicago uh, entitled Second City. So I'm going to give you a list of 10 nations, and I want you to give me the second most populated city in that country. All right, so number one, China. Number two, Canada. Number three, France. Number four, Australia. Number five, Brazil. Number six, Mexico. Number seven, Egypt. Number eight, Japan. Number nine, Italy. And number 10, Israel. All right, we will think about these and we'll be right back. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for the New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. 
Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. That funny video game sound means we're back with our answers. Let's have the questions one more time, and we'll see how we did. All right. So again, we're looking for the second most populated uh, city in each of these countries. Uh, So number one is China. Uh, the operator got me Beijing, Jing, Jing, and uh, I think <laughs> they told me yes, <laughs> and I think that they told me that they were actually the first, so we went with Shanghai. Oh, we also went with Shanghai. All right, uh, so the answer is Beijing. Oh, oh. Uh, Shanghai has uh, twenty six point three million, and Beijing was twenty one point five million. Oh, so we actually got the uh, the highest. Golly, interesting. All right, number two was Canada. Uh, we went with Montreal, thinking it was second after Toronto. We also thought Toronto was number one, but we thought maybe the new um, Hollywood, New York, is uh, Vancouver. All right, the second most populated city in Canada is Montreal. Uh, I completely forgot about Montreal. Let's start alternating again, guys. <laughs> so Toronto has 2.9 million and uh, Montreal has 1.8. All right, France. It's kind of a toss up on this one after Paris. Uh, we went with Marseille. We also went with Marseille. All right, it is Marseille. All right. Nice. nice. Correct. Points. Paris is at 2.16 million and Marseille is at 861,000. Just want to point wow. out that was the first question both teams got right. <laughs> the whole game. All right, number four is Australia. We went with uh, a show favorite, Melbourne. I knew you were going to do it, Max. Um, based on the amount of AFL teams they have, we also went with Melbourne. Yes, you're correct. It is Melbourne. Uh, 5.31 million for Sydney and 5.08 for Melbourne. So pretty close. Oh, wow. Much bigger than I kind of remember. All right. Number five, Brazil. Uh, We felt this one was a little tricky because we think Sao Paulo actually has the most and Rio would be second. Rio de Janeiro. We had it the other way around and thought it might be Sao Paulo. All right. The answer is Rio de Janeiro. Mm. Oh, man. (laughs) it's actually a pretty wide margin. Sao Paulo has about 12.3 million and Rio has about 6.7. Wow. Should have listened to you, Matt. Sorry. That's okay. All right. Number six, Mexico. This one was solely because uh, we watched a lot of Ugly Betty in this household and her poncho <laughs> says Guadalajara. And uh, that's what we said. Um, back when I used to li- live in LA, uh, my coworkers would just go down here for a weekend and we said Tijuana. All right, and the answer is Tijuana. I didn't even think right. about Tijuana. I the thought Mexico. about it, but I didn't think that it was correct, so I didn't say it. I figured it was more tourists than actual like locals. That's what I figured. So is Guadalajara an actual city, or is it just a, a state? We don't know. I believe it's a city, but I'm not positive. It could be. Uh, so, so Mexico City has uh, 8.8 million, and Tijuana has about 2 million. Wow. Hmm. Big jump. All right, number seven, Egypt. Uh, this was probably the hardest one, and we just guessed Giza. 
We thought the same and said the same, Giza. That is correct, Giza. Mm. All right. Uh, I was really surprised at the population of Giza. So Cairo obviously is the biggest at 9.5 million, and Giza has 8.8 million. Wow. And that's all from the pyramids because there's people inside of the pyramids. (laughs) (laughs) Not not sure if they count sarcophagus and uh, (laughs) mummies as people. Presumed alive. All right, number eight was Japan. I thought this one was pretty uh, tough, and uh, I'm going with Yokohama. That is something that I've never given consideration to. Uh, we said Kyoto. All right. I didn't think anybody was going to get this, Who but yes, it is Yokohama. Here? Oh, Who are you talking yeah, to? Come on. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Japan, uh, Tokyo has 13.9 million, and Yokohama has 3.73 million. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of in that greater Tokyo metropolitan area, though, which is, I think, how people miss it. So. All right, number nine was Italy. I do love fashion, and I thought there's a lot of fashion in Milan, so we went Milan. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> yeah, for that reason, definitely, we also said <laughs> Milan. Yes, it is Milan. Ah, uh, nice. So Rome is at 2.87 million, Milan at 1.35 million. And then the last one in the swing round, Israel. We went with Tel Aviv. Yeah, based solely on the fact they have a lot of professional sports teams, we said Tel Aviv. Yep, that's correct. Tel Aviv. Jerusalem is in at 874,000 and Tel Aviv at 435. So, hey, pretty good. good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, pretty yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, the scores following the swing round are as follows, adding 40 points, fall of the House of Asher, bringing their score to 70. And just ahead of that with 75 points, Telltale Fart. All right. Very mature, guys. Very mature. (laughs) All right. So round two, um, question one, butternuts. Vermont-based ice cream giants, Ben & Jerry's, are well known for both the multitude of ice cream flavors and their politics. Which Ben & Jerry's flavor is perennially the most popular, taking the number one spot since at least 2018? Well, I mean, did the title have anything to do with it, the butternut? Um, I don't know. Um, for me, it used to, I think it used to always be Cherry Garcia. Um, My favorite one to say is Chunky Monkey, but I don't think that's it. Yeah, I know Tonight Dough is very popular as well. That one's got uh, big old smiling Jimmy Fallon on the carton, staring at you, judging you. Um, it's a great choice. Great choice. I was always a bigger fan of Stephen Colbert's Americone Dream. Yeah. Um, there's also Half Baked is another one. There's, I, I can't think of Chocolate Fudge Brownie. I mean, yeah. these are not, there's this nothing that's going to be like, since 2018. I, I'm just I just keep coming back to the clue. There's got to be something with either butter or nut or squash or I don't know. Yeah. Is there I, mean, a I, don't, flavor? I don't like I have no idea. Um well, if if that's when pot was legalized, if it's half baked. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, we can go with that. That could be the answer. I think last time the uh, ice cream flavors were brought up on the show, we went with Cherry Garcia, which was wrong. And I think the right answer was half-baked. Yep, you both came around to it. It's half-baked. Uh, and the right, category was a, a, a subtle reference to the movie, Half-Baked. Where, oh, uh, that's right. 
Harlan Williams is uh, stuff. he kills the horse after feeding all of the uh, the snacks to it, and he can't remember the name of the horse, and he goes butternuts, butternuts. <laughs> all right, number two, nice hat. South Park recently celebrated its 25th anniversary in 2022. Before gaining superstardom, Trey Parker and Matt Stone created this film, the story of prospector Alfred Packer and his ragtag crew whose trek towards Breckenridge included many perils, including bouts of frostbite, difficult survival decisions, and an encounter with a quote-unquote cyclops. I think I know, Matt, if you... Oh, okay. Yeah, you can lock in. I'm not 100% sure, so... I don't remember this in basketball. I don't remember this at all. I, I was thinking this was going the or- orgasmo. Orgasmo. That's what I thought of, orgasmo. and I, Because I, I only thought they did orgasmo in basketball, and I can't think of another one they did. Well, Team America. Or, or Team America, yeah, but, but like before South yeah. Parkish era. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe also that's... 25 years of South Park. Yeah, that's nuts. I'm old. I remember when I was in uh, sixth grade, I was like, maybe? I was in like fourth grade when kids were watching that. Show. I, or maybe when I was in eighth grade. I mean, I, kids were getting in trouble for just wearing a South Park t-shirt um, to school. Um, we don't know. Gold let's rush. just say, I, I think Gold it'd be rush. a great uh, plot for Orgasmo, that he's a prospector. And he turns into Orgasmo? Yeah. I will go with Orgasmo. Um, I, I, I don't know if I'm right. I just remember, and this... Actually, the more I think of it, I don't remember if it was a prospector, but I, I was thinking Wagons East, but that was like John Candy, and I don't know if that's the right time frame, so I may not be... I, well, not I would it. have said Orgasmo, so and I don't <laughs> think they're right either. So, so Wagons East is what we said, I guess. <laughs> All right, unfortunately, uh, neither correct here. This one's called Cannibal the Musical. Oh, I forgot <laughs> about that one. Yeah. It's, it's interesting if you're looking for a really uh, you know, brain-dead kind of movie. All right, uh, question three. Art. No, no fancy title here. Uh, Man at the Crossroads was a fresco created in 1933 at New York City's Rockefeller Center. It depicted a scene contrasting capitalism and socialism and was ultimately destroyed as a result of the artist being unwilling to remove a portrait of Lenin from the piece. Who was the famous artist of this fresco? Do you think this might be a... Pablo Picasso. That's what I was thinking, just because he had like Guernica and a lot of political drawings and stuff and paintings. And the time frame makes sense. Time frame's too. right too. So yeah, that would be my that would be a good guess. Okay, we're gonna lock in with Picasso. What do you want to say? I I can't think of the the guy's name, but I I don't think it's her. Alfred Molina. Yes. Yeah. We'll never pull his name. Oh man, but that's that's who it is though. I just can't think of his name. So I wrote down uh, Frida Kahlo initially, and you think it's Alfred Molina in the movie? Yeah, his, I think her lover's <laughs> name was a painter. Was Re- Frida. something Rivera? Rivera. Diego you think it's Rivera. Him? Diego Rivera. Diego Rivera. I think it's him. You think it's him, not her? I think so. All right. I could be wrong. <laughs> I don't know. With, with Rivera. Okay. All right. Good pull, Diego Rivera. Ah. Okay. Good teamwork, Neil. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought well, of it until you put it. Sam with the assist, too. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, that's just the first name. He knew the last yeah. name. There you so. go. That's true. Yeah, he, he, he just helped me out just to get across the finish line. We had, we had Jeopardy rules mm-hmm. as a general. He brought me to the promised land. Uh, catch, I'm it's trying not to... happening, Neil. It's not happening. <laughs> this is your 2022 fetch, and it's not happening. I've made a decision. Every episode now, I'm just going to try and come up with a new one and see what sticks. All right. Question number four, the goat of beers. This style of beer, which translate to goat in German, 
is a dark malty beer that was first brewed in Einbeck, Germany. Don't drink too many of these or you may black out and end up with a shiner. So they're locked in. So with the clues in it, which leads you to um, Scheinerbach is a German style beer that's made in, I think it's made in the U.S., but I think it's based off the German style. So I think the Bach might be the style of beer. Yeah, that's all I'm going to get come up with. So, Yeah, we were familiar with the beer Scheinerbach uh, with that clue, and I believe it has a goat on it. And uh, we didn't know if there was a type of beer called Bach, but we agree. Yep. Points, both teams. This is Bach beer. Yes. Ah. All right. All right. Question five uh, Music lyrics. <clears throat> Which song contains the following lyrics? But make no mistakes and switch up my channel. I'm Buddy Rich when I fly off the handle. So it's a rap song, probably. Sounds like rap lyrics when they keep calling people out and stuff. I believe it's by a group of boys. Beastie Boys, even. And I'm pretty sure that this is Sabotage, which is funny because we did mention it. Well, maybe off air. But we did talk about Sabotage today. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Sabotage. It could be Sabotage now that you say that because I can hear it in my head. But uh, I was just thinking of a you know a different type of song. We went uh, with someone who went from uh, zero to hero. We said Ice Ice Baby, Vanilla Ice. All right. Uh so it is sabotage oh, by the Beastie Boys. All right, good pull, man. That's so random. I, I don't remember <laughs> that lyric. All right, so that'll be five questions down in round two. Both teams gaining 30, adding their scores. So uh, just tipping at 105, uh, Telltale Fart. Very close behind Fall of the House of I don't want to be close behind the Telltale Fart. <laughs> You're only five behind the Telltale Fart at 100. What's the Telltale Heart is the one where uh, he's hearing the, the knocking? Right? Yeah, he killed the old man Kills. with a crazy eye. All right. Number six, state symbols. What's the most popular official state insect serving this role in 17 U.S. states? Butterflies are not included in this list, as many states also have their own official state butterflies. How many state insects do you know? Um, including the one for Oklahoma, zero. Oh, dang. I was going to say grasshoppers might be a good choice. A lot of Midwestern states, you know, lots of grass with grasshoppers. I think Oklahoma is the arachnid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably. That's a terrible pun, and I hate you. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know any of them. Uh, I was thinking bees at first because they're really important. Did you say beads or bees? (laughs) (laughs) Beans. Yeah, I mean, bees would be a good guess, too. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's definitely between bees and grasshoppers cause those are both very prevalent insects. Yeah. Let's go with grasshopper. Okay. Uh, we felt like picking a nice photogenic, uh, insect and we went with the ladybug. All right. The answer is the honeybee. Oh, oh man. <laughs> we should have gone with you, Matt. Dang it. Although I believe the ladybug is second. Did you say honey beads or honey bees? <laughs> <laughs> honey beans. We already went over this. Roll that, roll that, that beautiful bean footage. It's funny. <laughs> is that from something? Yeah, it's Arrested from Arrested Development. Development. Oh, okay. That, that's where the telltale fart comes from. Yeah. All, all the honey beans. beans. Honey beans. <laughs> the honey beans. Yep. All right, number seven. Talk derby to me. My, my uh, obligatory Kentucky question. 
Fastest ever Kentucky Derby winner finished the one and one quarter mile Churchill Downs race in one minute, 59.4 seconds. Name this horse who would go on to win the Triple Crown in 1973. The Sagittarius? Sagittarius A-star, actually. I think it was Aquarius, actually. So it's got to be one of the big four, as I like to call them, because I can never remember their names. But they're all all sired from the same seed. You could just pick one. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay. Uh, Oh, it's not. No, it's not that one. Uh, Okay, I got one. We're going to lock in. Picked a horse. Is this a horse or is this a Marvel character? Uh, both. No, it's, it's both. It's both? Okay. All right, we're locked in. <laughs> I think you're about you're 50 years off, guys. But Going with War Machine over there. Yeah. <laughs> Don Cheadle. I assume. You could probably fly the horse pretty quick. Don Cheadle onto a horse. My, my first I, thought, based on the time period, was like Seabiscuit, but I don't know if that's old enough. No, I think, uh, I think 73 was Secretariat. I'm pretty sure okay. that this is uh, yeah. this one's Secretariat, so we can lock in with that one. Yeah, sounds, yeah. I was uh, trying to think of any Triple Crown winners I could think of, but no, yeah, they're thinking, and they're thinking of War Emblem, who I think is way earlier. Okay. Oh yeah, we went with War Machine, and I like how Matt's become the Derby expert here. Every time we get a horse question now, you get it right for some reason. I don't know if you're studying on weekends or whatever, but yeah, we went War Machine. Just hanging out with Rowan, we went to trivia together, and it just went into my brain. It just stuck with you, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is Secretariat. Yeah. How fast is that? That's over 30 miles an hour they were running. That's it's insane. a fast horse. It's horsepower. That's where it comes from. <laughs> it is, that is where it comes from, yes. I made a Secretariat joke to open up the, the question, too, and we just passed right by it. Did you? Yeah, because it's Sagittarius. Sagittarius. Oh, yeah. Well, Anyways. we appreciate it now. Anyways. Okay, that's fine. All right, number eight, what are you afraid of? Nomophobia, N-O-M-O, phobia, is the fear of what? Some characteristics of this phobia include feeling generally disconnected, lacking access to information, and losing convenience. While not officially acknowledged in the dsm 4 it is considered a specific phobia, and research is currently increasing on this phobia. It's the phobia of running out of something, right? Yeah, nomophobia. Nomophobia. I Freedom. thought it was a uh, former Dodger pitcher. Hideo I was going to say fear of Hideo Nomo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and his weird uh, pitching style. That's what a lot of batters had in 1998. And that's for sure. I think, I think it could just be as simple as like fear of the internet. Yeah. Internet or social media or, um, tele- social media. Yeah. I think, Oh, it's probably cell phones because mo-, mo meaning mobile phones, maybe. Yeah. Well, the last t- couple times we've gone with me, and you were right, so we better stick <laughs> with yours. So no, no, no. We're and I'm saying cell phones now. <laughs> I changed okay. my bet. We're going with okay. we're going with cell cell phones or mobile phones. Okay. Uh, fear of the phone or fear of not having the phone. Fear of using the phone. Okay. Oh, now I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, we we said fear of like being disconnected from the internet. Okay. Uh, I'll let you figure out how to do points here. So the actual fear is the fear of being without your phone. Your mobile uh, we, phone. Let's, we were the opposite. Let's split the difference and both take the points. How about that? If you oh, both yeah. take no points. No, we're both taking. Doesn't make points. any difference either way. <laughs> we both want more points so we can wager mm-hmm. them and lose them later. Okay. I have yes. a no point phobia, and I need the points. Right. Short for no mobile phobia. Yes. Yep. 
No wow. mobile phone phobia. All right, oh, I we're, we're all taking it's points. Disease. We're all taking points on that one. I'm giving you each five because you said you were going to no, split the no, points. No, 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 no. <laughs> Ten <laughs> points apiece get... for the people at home. You give Jeff any amount of power and look what happens. And he seizes it. <laughs> you mean if you Terrible. give me discretion to you know make rulings that are reasonable? No. And I'm just making crap unreasonable. up, Ken. <laughs> all right. This isn't a reasonable home, game. We're each... T- <laughs> Yeah. For the people at home, we're each taking 10 points uh, for your own scorekeeping pleasure. <laughs> and if you were close to that answer, you should take 10 points too. Or 20. And even if you weren't, give yourself points. Feel good about yourself. It's a good podcast. It's just for fun anyways. <laughs> yeah. Are you having fun, people? <laughs> huh? No. <laughs> Want to get nuts? I'll get nuts. <laughs> All right. Let's get the next one. All right. Number nine. Let's get physical. Tai Bo was a popular fitness craze in the 1990s that combined elements of dance and martial arts into a workout routine. Who is the charismatic oh, creator on. of Tai Bo, <laughs> seen ubiquitously promoting the regimen on infomercials? Sounds like man wants to three two on this one. Yeah, <laughs> this is in our wheelhouse here. Uh, we grew up with this guy. Neil this guy Mr. William Blake. Neil still practicing this in 2022. I do. I do Tai Bo. Often, yeah. Does Billy Blanks have a cameo? Can we get him actually? Do a rules read? We should. He should scream the rules at us. <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen Last Boy Scout, great cameo at the opening of that film by Billy Blanks. <laughs> yeah, we we all know it, right? Billy Blanks. Yeah. Yep, you guys nailed it, Billy Blanks. All right, and the last question of the second round uh, this is my Simpsons question. Uh, you want to see my new chainsaw and hockey mask? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bart. <laughs> In season five, episode two of The Simpsons, the family is forced to relocate to Terror Lake in an effect to escape, uh, in an attempt to escape Sideshow Bob's attempts to kill Bart. In the climax of this episode, Bob corners Bart and asks him if he has any final requests. In an attempt to buy time, Bart asks Bob to sing him the entire score to what Gilbert and Sullivan opera? I know this one. Oh, good. Big Simpsons fan. That was going to be about the Thompsons. Neil knows a lot about uh, Gilbert and Sullivan, though. So. Yeah, I don't know a lot about Simpsons. I know some Gilbert and Sullivan. Just shout some out. Uh, Pirates of Penzance, Hot Mikado, um, uh, Pen- Pinaf- uh, Pinafore. I think it's I HMS think it's Pinafore. Pirates. I think it's Pirates. Pirates Penzance. Wait, what was that last one? HMS Pinafore, which is also on the West Wing. I think we got to go with Pirates. It is the it is the HMS Pinafore, Wait. actually. Yes, the HMS Pinafore. Ken, you might be. Why would Bart even know that? (laughs) Why would he know the definition of a modern major general? (laughs) It's the only way I know that song. That's one of my favorite, uh, if probably my favorite episode of The Simpsons. uh, The whole Cape Fear ripoff. It's it's just excellent. Take us to the promised land, Jeff. So. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make this stick, Matt. All right, so heading into the final round, uh, these are the points that the teams are going to have to wager. There is 120 points sitting with the fall of the House of Asher, but in first place, 145 points. We've got Team Telltale Fart. They have the lead. They're not in first place. You don't you don't have first or second place until the game's over, I guess. But All right, so for the final round, uh, I'm going to take you through the five stage- stages of grief. So we have denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. 
And the wages are now in. Looks like we're doing 20s all the way down, and I think you were doing 25 on denial and 30s on the rest. You know it. All right. Sounds good. Let's have our questions. All right. First up, denial. Hakeem Olajuwon holds the all-time record for blocks in the NBA with 3,830. Among active players in the NBA, which player holds the record for the most blocks with 2,228? The next closest player has 1,752. Anger. In the 2015 Disney Pixar film Inside Out, which comedian known for his characteristically loud rants plays the character of Anger, a short red character who some argue becomes the main antagonist in the film? Bargaining. What discount retail store founded by Lloyd Ross in 1974 got its name from its founder who decided on the company name because, quote, it is the first positive day of the week. Depression. During the Great Depression, unemployment rose to nearly 30%, leading to widespread poverty and homelessness. As a result, many homeless encampments were created throughout the country. What was the more popular name for these shack towns and encampments? And finally, acceptance. Among public colleges and universities in the United States, which institution had the lowest acceptance rate for freshmen in 2022, admitting only 9% of applicants? This institution is perennially at or near the top of this list. And while everyone mulls it over, just want to remind everyone that uh, we have a Patreon. So if you're interested in supporting the show directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. Both of our guests today uh, support us there, and we are so grateful for their support. If you're interested in getting any perks in exchange for your support of our show, please just check it out. Any and all support is appreciated. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All the answers are now locked in. Let's have the questions one more time and see if we can overtake the telltale fart. If we can silence the telltale fart. <laughs> There's no outrunning a telltale fart. Well, the silent ones are the deadly ones, so. 
All right, so in the category of denial, Hakeem Olajuwon holds the all-time record for blocks in the NBA with 3,830. Among active players in the NBA, which player holds the record for most blocks with 2,228? The next closest player has 1,752. So we went 20 all the way down, right, Ken? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I read an article about this guy and I can't remember if it was for college or the NBA, but I know in college he had a ton of blocks and I'm just assuming he carried that over to his NBA career because he's a superstar. We said Anthony Davis. Ooh, this is a guy who did not go to college, I believe, uh, straight out of high school. I think it's Dwight Howard. Yep. The correct answer is Dwight Howard. All right. Anger. The 2015 Disney Pixar film Inside Out. Which comedian, known for his characteristically loud rants, plays the character of Anger, a short red character who, some argue, becomes the main antagonist in the film? Uh, yeah, so for 20 points again, uh, obviously we went with uh, Lewis Black. We also went with Lewis Black. Yep, Lewis Black is the answer. All right, uh, bargaining. What discount retail store, founded by Lloyd Ross in 1974, got its name from its founder, who decided on the company name because, quote, it is the first positive day of the week. Amazing pull from Neil here, so I'll let him take it. Yeah, I, I didn't have any confidence behind this, but when I worked at Blockbuster, right next door was a store uh, that had a day of the week in the name, and I never knew what it was. But when I heard the question, I was like, it, it must have been that because it seemed like a retail that had uh, bargain stuff. We went with Tuesday morning. <sighs> was that it, Sam? Yeah. Um, so. We couldn't think of it. Uh, he, Sam was pretty sure that there was a Tuesday in the title, so we went with our favorite discount retailer, Ruby Tuesdays. <laughs> uh, both teams had the day of the week correct. It was Tuesday morning. Oh, I just couldn't pull it out. Mm. All right, depression. During the Great Depression, unemployment rose to nearly 30%, leading to widespread poverty and homelessness. As a result, many homeless encampments were created throughout the country. What was the more popular name for these shack towns and encampments? Yeah. In honor of the uh, president at the time, they were called, uh, I believe, Hoovervilles. And that, Yeah, that's what we said, too, is Hoovervilles. Yep, that's absolutely right. Uh, blame it on Hoover, and they, they brought up Hoovervilles. All right, and finally, acceptance. Among public colleges and universities in the United States, which institution had the lowest acceptance rate for freshmen in 2022, admitting only 9% of applicants? This institution is perennially at or near the top of that list. Well, accepting that uh, right or wrong, we're probably not going to be the cream of the crop this week. Uh, we went with Harvard. Uh, we were between Harvard, Princeton, and this other school. We thought people would want to be out in California more, so we said Stanford. All right. Uh, so both of those are private colleges. Um so the public university that we're looking for, a public college, is the U.S. Naval Academy. I did not think oh. I missed the word public completely. So did I. All right, and the final scores have been tabulated and um, didn't change much here, unfortunately, with a score of 140 points. The fall of the House of Asher fell in the end. Can you smell something, Neil? To the telltale <laughs> fart with a score of 170 points. Uh, <laughs> I can't do it now. Well, so, so the what's the tagline? Say the tagline. That's that mattress man. No, say the tagline. They brought what us to it? the promised land. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> so what it was. What do we say every episode? So this week's cream of the crop is the telltale fart. You're the cream of the crop. That's right. 
So Thank to go on a Neil tangent here, I had a quick Neil tangent. Um, so a friend of mine and I, we play disc golf all the time. And he decided to change his username on our little app to I Beat Sam, and he's never beat me since. So the fall of the House of Asher was a curse. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> How does Asher feel about your win? He feels great. He, he helped me on every up. single question. So we really had three people. So we Yeah, yeah. So that wasn't fair in the first place. <laughs> our so. handicap match. We beat you. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Uh, well, we appreciate you coming back on the show, Sam. Uh, sorry about the delay in the first episode, but oh, no, it turned it, out it, great. And now we get uh, now we get more Sam this month. Uh, any uh, last words from you for this episode? Um, no, it was fun being on here, and uh, hopefully, I'll get my students to listen to both episodes now, and uh, we'll hopefully get to do it again. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, if any of Sam's students out there have part-time jobs and want to sign up for the Patreon, we're more than welcome. Come on. <laughs> or you can work for Matt at the Coffee Conglomerate. Not oh, at all. Boy. No, Matt, as we always say, we, we appreciate the support if you're financially able. We don't expect anything otherwise. Anyway. Actually, we don't expect anything anyways. But <laughs> And uh, thank you as well, Troy, for presenting that excellent and challenging game, uh, but always fun. Uh, thanks so much for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Just want to say a quick shout out to my wife for watching the kids while we did this. Uh, thanks, Megan. Hi, Claire and Elias. Um, and shout out to um, my trivia team, uh, Chris and Tommy, who helped me play test this, as well as the others. So again, uh, thanks so much for having me on. And uh, I really enjoy the show and all the stuff that you do for the trivia community. It's great. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate and you. if you're students out there with internet access, which I'm assuming <laughs> is all of you, go to Rate My Teacher and give Sam Young and Troy Cooper five stars. There you go. And uh, that'll be it for today's episode. For uh, Sam and Troy, thank you for being the guests today. For Matt, Jeff, Neil, and myself, that was Triviality, and we'll see you in the promised land. <laughs> okay. I was the one where he hears someone's like buried alive. Yeah, and the cask of a he hears, he hears the beating of the old man's heart under the floorboard. So in this... In it's, this his, it's his guilt. His guilt. Pounding. So in this one, it's more stress related, and he's hearing. And if you listen very carefully, <laughs> you listen very carefully, it sounds like this. <laughs> so he's not just hearing. <laughs> he can't do his work just driving him mad. Who is that? It's amazing, Foley. You know? <laughs> the cask of Amontillado is the one where he buries the guy uh, in the wall uh, alive, right? Yes. Yeah. And with that guy being alive, he also goes. <laughs> How, how, how is this not creak- an SNL skit already? I hope that was the creaking door. None of this is good. We can move on, right? It's good for an end clip. Yeah.